Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 34. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. All right, some uh, some powerful stuff happening today. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that the, these demons are begging and Jesus just being the cold-blooded, like, <laughs> Lord of creation that he yeah. is. It's, I, I love it. They're, they're pleading and he says, go, period. <laughs> what, a, exactly. what a command. I love it. So obviously the, the authority, the lordship, the mm, power of Jesus power, are yeah. just full display. Um, you know, I just think of uh, the the preeminence of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's highlighted. That's Colossians. Colossians, one, yeah. yeah. Colossians one. Um, so joined by the great Jennifer McClish. Um, Jennifer, as as we look at these two stories, uh, what 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 do you see happening? What do you think the Lord is saying? What do we think? Well, um, I did some reading ahead of time, and I Love thought it. I know I was preparing, but um, it is interesting. There, the this these two stories appear together in here in Matthew in Mark the end of chapter four beginning chapter five and then in Luke eight and so in all of the three gospels in which they're included they're always included together and so they're meant to be read together so mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that like this um, this tells us something else very profound about the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus has come to do. And I think it's his absolute authority as the son of God, but also that he will, um, he has come to defeat sin and death. He's come to defeat Satan, to crush the head of the serpent and to defeat evil. And this is like a very you know powerful picture of it. So when Jesus calms the sea, like often in the Bible, the sea is used as a picture of um, chaos and evil. Mm-hmm. And so there are some indications, I guess, in the Greek or whatever, that this is like 
this is a storm. I mean, and honestly, you can kind of see it like with because these are like seasoned fishermen. Um, a lot of storms come up on Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of a common um, the wind comes down between the, yeah. the mountains and like rushes toward yeah. the sea. And there's like a lot of storms and stuff. But I mean, this storm like terrified these yeah. very, you know, rough and ready seasoned, kind of seasoned yeah. fishermen um, that there was something um, otherworldly about it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, supernatural. And so I think we are supposed to see like kind of a, you know, like a manifestation of evil here and that Jesus is completely unconcerned in that he doesn't feel threatened by it. He doesn't feel afraid. He's sleeping <laughs> peacefully. Like God is not in a panic yeah. about um, evil in the world. Absolutely. Um, he knows that he is, um, you know, he's here to defeat it. And there's no way that evil will overcome him. So he calms the sea. And then we're taken right to this uh, scene of casting out actual demons. And in the other two Gospels, we um, here we hear that there are two men. The other two Gospels focus on one of the men who is possessed by a legion of demons, which is like a, le- a Roman legion is like 6,000 men or something crazy. I mean, it's a crazy number of, um, of demons this poor mm-hmm. man is um, possessed with. But this is just like the nature of, um, you know, eyewitnesses like some people tell one aspect of the story some people tell other Mm -hmm. so here we find out there were actually these two men Mm -hmm. but again just showing us that jesus is the son of god and he's come to defeat um evil yeah absolutely you know the sea is such a a fascinating uh place in the bible um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's actually kind of one of the first things that you encounter uh if you open the bible and start reading um that before creation, uh, it wasn't actually the Bible doesn't paint this like empty void, mm-hmm. um, like this vacuum, but it's just darkness and a sea. Yeah. And the spirit is hovering over the face right. of the waters. Right. Um, and so, and it's like this dark chaos mm-hmm. to which he brings life and order. Cosmos. Yeah. The cosmos, cosmos. out yeah. of it. And, and he separates the waters. And so, uh, then, you know, just throughout the Bible, um, the sea is going to be a place uh, where, you know, I mean, I think of like the Israelites passing through the yes. Red Sea. Um, you know, there, there's it's a place where, uh, you know, chaos and judgment happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and a place we need to be delivered from. Yes, Like exactly. Jonah and the sea. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a, it's a place where ark, God delivers, yeah. evil destroys. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that we have to have that mentality. And then even like if you are if you are a, a you know, first century, uh, you know, Palestinian Jewish person, you're, you're uh, living by the sea, you work on the sea, mm-hmm. um, you know, like we're kind of especially in Atlanta, we're kind of sheltered from this. We live way inland. But if you live right by a body of water. And, you know, your community is very impacted by just like natural events. Where does all chaos come from? It comes from the sea, you know, mm-hmm. storms like roll in from the waters. And so, uh, you know, and then Jesus, he obviously demonstrates this authority over the sea and then sends these demons at their, you know, begging back into the sea. Yeah. And so the Lordship of Jesus, I, I think you're totally right. Like 
it's more than just like lordship over creation, mm-hmm. but it's over it's over like darkness itself. It's yes. over chaos yeah. itself. Yeah. And uh, you know, that that's like a staggering claim. It really is. And you can see that the um like the demons themselves know it. Like it's interesting to read this passage and see and recognize what the demons know. Yeah. Um they know that Jesus who Jesus is. Yeah. Um because and that comes on the heels of the disciples, I mean, you know, there's another time Jesus is going to calm the sea and walk on water, like again, and then the disciples recognize who he is. Like those, like they fall down and worship him. But here, they're still one. They're like, who is this man? Yeah, <laughs> who can calm the sea? And then you roll right into this picture of Jesus going to the Gadarenes, um, mm-hmm. which is a predominantly Gentile area. It was like Decapolis, ten cities, like a lot of pagan worship. I mean, it's like kind of understandable why there would be more demonic activity here. Mm-hmm. Um, and encounters, you know, these men who are possessed by demons, and these demons immediately recognize who this is. They recognize mm-hmm. that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, they also know that they will be tormented in hell. Like it's like they know what their future is because they say, "Have you come to do to t- um, torment us before the time?" Hmm. You see that in Matthew eight yeah. um, twenty nine there. So it's like they know what their end is. Yeah, um, which is in- incredible. They know they'll not win. They're not going to win this war with God. Yeah. Um, and they know that Jesus has all authority and that they must obey him. Like there's no question about whether or not they will do what he says. Mm. Um, so this, yeah, that's a staggering claim that Jesus is going to um, set everything right. Yeah. Even the actual like reason why, you know, all of this, um, the fall, the temptation of Adam and Eve, all that. And it goes right back to Genesis. I do think that's incredible. Like, that God made that immediate promise that um, first, you know, the first instance of gospel proclamation was when God told Eve that her offspring would crush the head of the snake. The snake would bruise his heel, but he would crush the head of the snake. And so, again, we're just seeing like, this is the one. This is the promised one uh, from the very beginning who's come to deliver mm-hmm. us from evil and who has all authority and power to do it. I think another thing that's very interesting uh, with this, what the demons know and their um, and their obedience to Christ, that you, in some ways, it, back to our discussion that we've been having about what true faith is, um, you know, that it's not just acknowledging who Jesus is and recognizing his authority and mm-hmm. power, but there's a submission, but also this kind of takes it to a new level that there is a submission in love. Um, I love that like Jonathan Edwards talks about these um, uh, accounts in the gospels. And he says, you know, kind of goes through all of these steps of how the demons interact with Jesus. And it says it appears that er- everything is there. And the only thing that's wanting is love. Yeah. That so there's no... Um, yeah. There's no loving response mm-hmm. to the God of the universe. Mm. I know acknowledgement of his goodness and kind of that heart like response. I mean, it's like they can't, Yeah. Um, but they will obey. Yeah, absolutely. And that is exactly what's reflected in the city's response. Um, they, mm-hmm. they see the powerful works of Jesus and they beg him to leave. To leave. And that's Which in is such, so sad. it's so sad. <laughs> and it's in such contrast to uh you know this whole chapter right ever since the sermon on the mount concluded there's a leper who sees jesus 
and trusts in his goodness and, right. and relies on his goodness. There's a right. centurion who sees Jesus, recognizes his authority and relies on his goodness. You know, Peter's mother-in-law uh, is, is, you know, gets up and serves him. Exactly, so you see that her response a was a devotion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so this is the first, you know, kind of tangible sign of the, uh, the polarizing nature of Jesus. Yes. And I think also to note that there's no um, place for fear in faith. This mm. is a constant area of repentance for yeah. me, um, that faith is a, a courage, yeah. um, a confidence in Christ that brings courage. Because even the disciples, you can see they were they were struggling with fear. And he says, oh, you have little faith. Like mm. that, your faith should not be characterized by fear. And then these people um, we find in, I think it's Mark's account, that they were afraid. Yeah, Maybe it says it here too, but they were afraid and that's why they wanted him to go. Um, so moving away, but what you have to, you have to see the, the mercy of God, the goodness of God to move away from that place of fear, um, and into this complete, um, trust, recognizing, um, who he is and what he's, um, his willingness to save you. But what is very cool and redeeming about the story is we also find that in the other accounts or, um, that the, one of the men who has the legion, he actually, after he's healed um, and, you know, has come to his right mind, basically, he begs to be able to go with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, no, stay and mm -hmm. um, tell everyone of the things that have been done um, that you've experienced, you know, the works of God that you've experienced, what God has done for you. And he does it. Mm -hmm. And later in Matthew, we're going to see that Jesus comes back to this very area um, for the feeding of the 4,000. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's a completely different response. So yeah. it's like, it's so cool again, telling us to proclaim what God has done for us and to do it in courage and to not have fear and uh, what God does yeah. with those um, steps of faith. It's incredible. Man, praise the Lord. I love it. And uh, so much goodness left to uncover in Matthew. So for the so. great Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle, and we'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.